Welcome to episode 56, The Truth About Libra, Facebook's cryptocurrency. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as cryptocurrencies, religious liberty, the census, earnings disparity in professional soccer, or immigrant children in cages at the border come up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. If you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for that link. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. And the video version of the podcast is available on YouTube and bitshoot.com. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I recently posted on the TruthQuest Podcast fan page on Facebook two questions about Facebook's recent congressional testimony before the House Financial Services Committee regarding their proposed cryptocurrency, the Libra. For regular listeners, you won't be surprised the two questions I pose. Number one, where in the Constitution does it grant the federal government the power to regulate a cryptocurrency? And number two, where in the Constitution does it grant the federal government the power to regulate a social media platform? The answer to both questions is obviously, it doesn't. So what is the real reason that Facebook was summoned to D.C.? Well, because Libra poses a threat. Before examining the threat posed to the power brokers in Congress, let's first discuss this thing called the Libra. So what is it? Well, as I mentioned, it's a newly proposed cryptocurrency, it's going to be managed by a consortium of companies and nonprofits led by Facebook. And I think there's 27 other members, including MasterCard, PayPal, Uber, Visa, eBay, and I think even Spotify is involved. It will serve as a payment tool, facilitating person-to-person payments. So think uh, Venmo or PayPal or Zelle. Unlike most existing cryptocurrencies, which are not tied to a physical asset and therefore subject to swings in value, the Libra will be backed by a basket of currencies like the dollar, the pound, the euro, the Swiss franc, and the yen, and thus will provide some level of price stability to the extent that the currencies remain stable, of course. Thorsten Paulette, writing for the Foundation for Economic Education, explains it this way, quote, Libra will be created by participants depositing fiat currencies such as U.S. dollars or euros with the Libra Association, and they will then grant the depositor a corresponding Libra amount in a digital wallet, which can be used for payments via internet, smartphone, credit card, or WhatsApp and messengers, end quote. So unlike the traditional banking system, which functions under the fractional reserve scheme, Libra will be issued on demand and is fully backed in what is considered sound money. There's no scheme to leverage the customer's deposits and create new units of Libra. There's no fractional anything with Libra. The reserve system is one-to-one as it is fully redeemable for the currency at any time, just like the old-fashioned days with gold and silver certificates. More on that in a minute. Libra will provide competition to publicly issued currencies. In other words, it is a threat to any central bank. Hint, hint, this may account for the congressional hearings. In countries with a high inflationary environment, like we've seen recently with Venezuela, Argentina, and Turkey, alternate currencies, or cryptos, will over time become more popular and adopted as an alternative to the fiat currency. This could provide an incentive for the central bankers to throttle back inflationary actions in order to restore confidence in their currency, 
or the more likely outcome will be that the central banks will try to eliminate or regulate cryptocurrencies. So a few things ripped from the headlines as I was preparing for this episode. I came across this following, the following headline. Bitcoin back below 10,000 as Venezuela sets new crypto volume record. The story explains Venezuelans traded more bolivars for Bitcoin than ever before last week, but the statistics say more about the fiat than cryptocurrency. Venezuela's currency continues to suffer from runaway inflation, leading citizens to resort to alternative means of storing value. Underscoring the weakening bolivar, Venezuela's cryptocurrency trading is not supported by the government, which also imposes embargoes on foreign currency. So if you think back a few years ago when the Greek economy was in a free fall, cryptocurrencies allowed smart Greeks to transfer their euros out of their Greek bank accounts and out of the country if they wished, as they feared their government was going to be forced out of the eurozone, which in turn would have forced them to convert all their euro deposits in the Greek banks into the devalued worthless national currency. So in order to protect the value of the euros they had, they converted it into cryptocurrencies. Similar problems in Argentina in recent years, where the peso lost 25% of its value in six months back in 2014. Inflation was rampant, but the smart Argentinians used the banking system as little as possible and utilized cryptocurrencies as much as possible. So what do these stories have in common, and how are they relevant to this discussion at hand about the Libra? Well, notice how the governments who create and inflate their own currencies do not make it easy nor support the cryptocurrency markets. Why would they? as they provide competition to their monopolistic grip on currency creation. In the case of Venezuela, the government even blocked foreign currency trading. So they are essentially are trapping their citizens in a currency with a reported inflation rate of 10 million percent. Non-governmental Libra critics, in other words, Bitcoin advocates, are also afraid of competition. They say Libra is, quote, nothing more than a fiat coin being masqueraded as a crypto, end quote. And of course, they claim Bitcoin is the much better choice. These people are not entirely wrong since Libra coins are backed by real fiat money. But since I don't give a shit about Bitcoin, which is backed by nothing, and since I'm looking at this differently, that is, I want to fight government's monopoly over the monetary system, the more alternatives to government-issued money, the better. In my mind, this means the more cryptos, the better. Bring them on. So back to the congressional hearing that I started the episode talking about. The faux outrage displayed by Democratic members of the committee and the cries of pending doom and crisis are quite remarkable, but also very predictable behavior. There is a crisis, but don't worry, the benevolent government is here to protect you. It's the same playbook, just a different decade. What makes this so delicious is these same Democrats run around bad-mouthing big banks. And what are they doing now by interrogating Facebook executives over the Libra? They're doing the bidding of the very same banks that they spend their days demonizing. I mean, the irony and hypocrisy is overwhelming. This is the truth quest, so let's try to sift through all the bullshit and get to the truth. The truth is Libra poses a threat to the traditional banking system. To continue a quote from uh, Thurston Pollitt, who I quoted earlier, he put it this way, quote, Traditional banks have good reason to worry. The Libra is about to siphon transactions out of the bank accounts. The banks will be left even more in the cold should customers begin to use Libra for saving purposes as well, because they would then lose the time and savings deposits with which they refinance their balance sheets at low cost, end quote. One of the articles I read started out by saying, quote, Facebook is trying to sell lawmakers on the Libra, end quote. Why? 
Congress has no constitutional authority to regulate cryptocurrency. You may argue that the Constitution does give the feds the power to coin money, which is a fair point, but that has that was never mentioned in the hearings, nor has any other cryptocurrency been subjected to this constitutional scrutiny. Committee chairwoman, the brainless one, Maxine Waters, asked Facebook to halt Libra's development until, get this, regulators can take action. She has even introduced a bill to ban Libra. How delicious is that? She admits the failure of government without even knowing it. The government cannot keep up with the innovations of the private sector. They're not supposed to. They are there to provide a stable environment for businesses and entrepreneurs to operate. They're there to enforce laws and enforce contracts and just get out of the way. Instead, Waters is playing the role of the little kid running after his older siblings yelling, Hey guys, slow down so I can catch up. Maxine has concern that, quote, the company and its partners will wield immense economic power that could destabilize currencies and governments, end quote. Wow, that's quite a claim. Immense economic power, enough to destabilize currencies and governments. Wow, that's scary stuff. We are told that there are concerns about investor protections, national security, anti-money laundering and countering the financing of terrorism, consumer and data protection, cyber resilience, fair competition, tax compliance, and monetary policy implications. Oh man, that is some scary stuff when we need Congress to take control. Ben Sherman, a Californian Democrat, explained, quote, This is the biggest thing this committee will deal with this decade, end quote. Well, that's probably true, given the committee's pursuits of a smorgasbord of trivial overregulations of the financial services industry. But keep in mind, this is the same committee that was charged with regulating this same industry back in 2008-2009 when it collapsed. So forgive me for my unadulterated disdain. Gregory Meeks, another Democrat on the committee, clearly not seeing the irony of his committee's failure in 2008, compared the potential systematic risk of Libra to that of the Lehman Brothers' collapse. The committee dove into important issues such as whether or not people like Milo Yiannopoulos would be permitted to use Libra. Oh yeah, that's right in the federal government's constitutional wheelhouse, the power to determine what individuals can use the banking system. It's not just the United States government that is threatened by non-government controlled currency. The G7 and central bankers in Europe have now chimed in. French finance minister Bruno Le Maire told the news conference on July 18th that the G7, quote, cannot accept private companies issuing their own currencies without democratic control, end quote. Right, because that would mean liberty and freedom. We can't have that. Reuters reports, quote, digital currencies such as Facebook's planned Libra raise serious concerns and must be regulated as tightly as possible to ensure they do not upset the world's financial system, G7 finance ministers and central bankers said on Thursday, end quote. Upset world financial systems is code for taking power away from corrupt government officials and crony bankers and permitting liberty and freedom to flourish. According to a summary document published by G7 Talks in France last week, cryptos like Libra, referred to as stable coins because of their ties to fiat currency, quote, raise serious regulatory and systemic concerns, end quote. The words they use are important. Raise serious regulatory and systemic concerns can be translated to mean lack of governmental control. Liberty and freedom for the people is not the goal. Power and control is. Oh, and to circle back to the protect the bankers idea I just mentioned, check out this quote from European Central Bank board member Benoit Coré. Quote, a global stablecoin 
for retail purposes could provide for faster and cheaper remittances, spur competition for payments, and thus lower costs, and provide great financial inclusion, end quote. So Quora is recognizing the good that these new payment processes will do, faster, cheaper, and inclusive. However, reading between the lines is the key piece to watch for, spur competition. See, the central bank monopoly on money creation must be protected at all costs. But what has been the result of this monopoly on money creation? We've got out-of-control government spending because politicians are cowards, and instead of doing the right thing and cutting spending, they just keep spending at higher and higher rates. How do you sustain the ever-increasing spending levels? Well, you can manipulate tax rates to bring in more revenue. In the U.S., we just had tax cuts, which has proven to bring in more revenue to the government, which translated to record levels of spending. Or you can sell bonds to foreign buyers who have smartly begun pairing back their purchases of U.S. debt. Look at China, Japan, and the Europeans. Or you can have the central bank essentially print money through monetary policy manipulation. All of these options have been irresponsibly deployed for decades. As the money supply grows, so does inflation, and eventually we'll reach a tipping point where no one wants to hold the U.S. dollars or any other inflated currency. Fiat currencies are slowly becoming recognized as the frauds that they are. They're backed by nothing. They're just pieces of paper. So clearly, there's a lot of danger to mankind if Libra were to launch with no regulation from the United States government or the G7. After all, we wouldn't want the government to have any competition. They've done such a wonderful job of protecting our best interests over the years. You may be asking, what's the upside to currency competition? Well, in an ideal world, we would have hundreds if not thousands of options to perform exchanges, from gold to cryptocurrencies to private money. Okay, okay, I can hear some of you saying, wait a minute, what the hell are you talking about private money? How would that work? Don't we need the government to hold the system together? Well, I plan on doing an entire episode on the concept of private money, but for the purposes of the topic at hand, let me just give you a three-minute overview. See, back in the day, blacksmiths would hold your physical gold and issue you a certificate certifying that you had that much sitting in the vault. Well, people started using those certificates as a medium of exchange. Eventually, these blacksmiths realized that they had all this excess gold sitting in their vaults. After all, people didn't come claim all the gold at one time, so they began issuing a few extra certificates here and there. That was somewhat the beginning of the fractional reserve system. If you want to see something cool, look up the word gold or silver certificate in your favorite search engine, and then do an image search, and what you will likely find are pictures of the U.S. dollar bills that were redeemable for that amount of for physical gold or silver. This was back when paper dollar bills were actually backed by something. Of course, President Nixon killed the gold peg of the dollar back in 1972, I think. So back to the idea of private money. The modern idea of this concept goes something like this. Some entity holds your gold or silver or any other valuable asset. Maybe they hold the deed to your house. That entity then issues certificates or credit to you, the owner of the asset, in the amount equal roughly to the value of the asset. This is similar to what the Libra will accomplish. You deposit your euros or yen or dollar with the Libra Association, and you get Libra coins for that amount. I have an account with a company called Gold Money, which does the same thing. You use currency to purchase grams of gold from the company. Then they hold that gold for you and issue you a debit card, which carries the balance of the value of your gold. You can even take delivery of the gold if you want. The idea is that there would be hundreds or thousands of these private money entities, each with their own reputation and their own reserve standards. No more manipulation of the money supply by central banks. No more monopoly in the hands of the government. That is a good thing. That is liberty and freedom. 
And a final quote from Thurston Pullett, he said, at the end of the day, quote, the Libra is just an upshot of an entrepreneurial attempt to profit from the global market for payments to services. If Facebook and others wanted to offer the world a better actual good money, the choice is obvious. It would be 100% gold back Libra. But who knows? Maybe this will be the next step initiated by Facebook, Amazon, or another company because there's such a vast market for sound money out there, end quote. So what are the takeaways from this episode? Number one, a healthy skepticism of government and central bankers is a must. They do not have our best interests at heart. The evidence is overwhelming. Look at the national debt here in the United States. It grows year after year regardless of which party controls Congress or the presidency. Look at the results of the behavior of the Federal Reserve and other central banks. The value of the dollar is, what, 5% of what it was in nominal terms prior to the establishment of the Fed in 1913? Interest rates have been artificially held down to for, what, 10, 11 years now? Why can't the free market be allowed to determine the rate of interest? These folks must maintain their monopoly on the issuance of legal tender. They must resist any attempts to limit or constrain their power. Any attempts to decentralize monetary policy must be foiled. If you think an entity called the central bank is going to allow anything called decentralization, you're nuts. Thus the opposition to Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency. And number two, the idea of sound money. As I've mentioned throughout the episode, we need to return to the principle of sound money, which simply means stable money. Gold, of course, is the best example of stable money. An ounce of gold has the same buying power it did in 1913 when gold was worth $20 an ounce as it does today when it's valued at over $1,400 an ounce. Imagine that your great-grandfather put a fresh $100 bill in his safety deposit box on the day that your grandfather was born. Then your grandfather took that same $100 bill and put it in a safety deposit box on the day of your father's birth, and your father did the same for you. Today, that 100-year-old $100 bill has the same purchasing power as a $5 bill back in the early 20th century when your great-grandfather put it in a safety deposit box. That is criminal, but avoidable. One way we can force governments to abide by some semblance of sound money principles is via cryptocurrencies because they are largely out of the reach of our irresponsible overlords. So don't be too quick to jump on the Libra is bad, cryptocurrencies must be regulated in order to foil money laundering and crooks, battle cries from your politicians. Their motives are far from pure. They cannot afford to tell you the truth because the truth will set us free and reduce their power and control over the economy generally, but the monetary system specifically. You know you must be onto something worthwhile when politicians, central bankers, and too-big-to-fail banks are all in opposition to it. I will end this episode with this Thomas Jefferson quote, Banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around the banks will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.